0: For their program. That's probably true. Uh, I, mean, I can't verify that, but uh, our children will begin this next day night. So, But this is last Sunday in this sanctuary. Just take a moment and drink it in. I have only been here for seven years, and I'm awfully sentimental about this sanctuary. Tomorrow morning... These pews you're sitting in will begin going to their new home at two Baptist churches in Aiken County. They'll continue to be used for worship along with lots of other objects in here, the rails and other things perhaps, whatever we can help and donate to other of our brothers and sisters in the county. Uh, These things will be sent to them and this room will be open. And next Sunday we'll begin meeting right over here in the sanctuary we've been planning for three years and have been constructing for a year. Today is Sunday, September 25th, 2022, and it's the last Sunday that we, the members of Talatha Baptist Church, will meet in this sanctuary for worship. This sanctuary was dedicated on October 8th, 1972, almost exactly 50 years ago. In fact, in the first week of October when we dedicate that sanctuary It will be 50 years to the week from the dedication of this one to the dedication of that one. Uh, In my eyes, that sanctuary is behind schedule because I thought it'd be open in August, but it seems that in the Lord's hands, uh, all plans come together in perfect symmetry and by the power of the Lord. I don't think it's a coincidence Several of you were here 50 years ago for the dedication of this sanctuary. While that might embarrass you, I think it's a beautiful legacy. So if you were here, would you stand to be counted? Please stand up if you were here for the dedication of this sanctuary. Hold tight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold tight there and stand up. I actually want to count this for records and historic sake. You're getting your name called out. Wanda Webb, Ruth Martin, Maria Key, Ann Anderson, Ginger Dixon, Billy Key, Linda Treadway, Beth Yance. Sandra Widener, Sandy Sapp, there you are, and Sandy Sapp. In, entirely possible that there's some of you on the other side as well. Joe and Carol, did you guys make it for that one. Since y'all were married in that one, I assume y'all were here for this one. Whether you remember, fifty years is a long time to remember something. I've, I already got you on my, I already got you on my list. I assumed you were here. I know you were members here. Then, y'all can be seated. I do want to keep the records, though. Uh, these friends of ours, their names have long been written down on the roll book of Talatha Baptist Church, which is a congregation of saints of our Lord Jesus Christ who have been purchased by His blood and bound together by His Holy Spirit. There is a book that we have. This church began in 1827. This is the oldest records we have. This book is The Church Bylaws, The Church Covenant, The Church Membership Roles, and Accounting from 1880 to 1889. So, the church was already going for quite a while uh, before these names were written down. These are just the oldest ones we have a record of. They said our friends who stood up today have been here at least 50 years as members. The oldest record we have is Addie Holly from September 1880. I didn't, I'm not good at math, but I believe that's 142 years ago. Many names are in this book, and many of us have added our names to the book of Telethy Baptist Church over the time. And you, dear friend, who are guests here today, if you would like, you can write your name down in our book as well. You are welcome to throw in your lot with us and be members here at Telethy Baptist Church also you are welcome to join us and to write your name in our book to worship Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, together with us. But even if you're just a friend and just passing through, I encourage you with everything that is in my heart to make sure that your name is written down in Christ's book of life. We have our records and we have our book, but He has His Someday Christ will return. He will set right all that is wrong in the world, and He will do His accounting. He will open the Lamb's book of life. Friends, go to Jesus today to make sure that your name is written into His book. It's an important mark of Talathe Baptist Church that we don't get through the ceremonial pieces without proclaiming the gospel, you understand. And for you, our dear friends who are sitting over in the multipurpose building today, on that side, thank you. Uh, thank you for making it possible that we could still keep welcoming people here across a wild and hectic season as we go through everything that we've gone through in the last few years, but also construction and just trying to meet together. Thank you all for your willing sacrifice and I hope you understand that this is an act of worship in itself, to lay down your rights and privileges in order to make space for others to worship the Lord. Now, some of you, I know, prefer having to, being able to sit at a table and, you know, not have somebody sitting right next to you, and uh, I'm sorry you'll lose that privilege, but next Sunday, we'll worship the Lord all together in one place, and it will be beautiful. Fifty years, you know, if the walls could talk, right? If the walls could sing, how many people have put their trust in Christ here? How many people have obeyed in baptism here and been baptized? If the walls could talk, if the walls could sing, but they don't have to, because we will talk about the grace of Jesus Christ our Lord today. We will sing out. How glorious our God is, we will worship the Lord with great joy. The blocks of these walls need not cry out because it is our job to witness to the greatness of Jesus Christ and we will do it today. We will do it today boldly and powerfully and in the presence of and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is in many ways an old building, but this building was perfect, and this building was perfectly appropriate. This building remains perfectly appropriate for worshiping the Lord. It is modest in its construction, but it is glorious in its purpose, and it has served that purpose admirably all these years. Even on the Sundays when the air conditioners didn't work, it still served its purpose admirably. And I tell you, we are not finished with this old building yet. It has much service left in its future. Now, we're not done with the old girl yet. Soon we will begin renovating this, and this building will remain the heart of our buildings. This building will remain our grand central station, if you will. When you arrive here at church, you'll walk through here for fellowship, which is a main point part of the church for greeting, even for restrooms, no matter what. If you show up here for Sunday school, you walk through here on your way to Sunday school. If you show up here for worship, you walk through on your way to worship for multipurpose on your way through to multipurpose. This building will continue to serve this congregation as we worship the Lord. You can only imagine, you know, not just the decisions that have been made to trust Christ in here in the past but the many more decisions that will be made to trust Christ in the future. In conversations one-on-one as people leave worship service and need to talk with somebody and sit down and talk about what it means to become a Christian, how many more people will have their conversion in this very space? How many more people will offer their lives to Christ or seek to join His church in this very space in the future? There may not be any more baptisms in here, but there will be more salvation as long as Christ is His Lord and we are His faithful ministers. This is a special Sunday. And I'll tell you, if you want to be technical, this is not the last worship service here. That will be at 5 p.m. this evening in which two friends will be baptized for the last baptism in our baptistry, I call it the trough usually, but you know, in, a, in the baptismal. <coughs> There's only one thing for us to do. Let's worship Jesus Christ with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our strength. Let us worship Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, together. Let's take a moment and pray. Oh Father God, You have been gracious to us, and then You have been gracious to us again and again and again. Lord, Your mercy is new every morning for us. We wake up some mornings in fear or worry, and yet Your mercy is there waiting on us every day. We go to sleep and we rise again because You are good. You have not only called us to You and washed us of our sins, but You sustain all of our days. It is our joy and our honor to worship and to serve You. Jesus, while there is still strength in our bones, let us worship You together as a congregation all the days of our lives. And on that day when You return, we will be found doing what we did all these years, worshiping Jesus Christ and looking forward to your return. And so, I pray that you would receive our time here as worship to you. I pray that you would put your Spirit on us so that we could worship both in spirit and in truth. I pray that you would give us the hearts to confess our sins and leave them behind even right now so that we could lift up holy hands in worship. Oh Lord, from beginning to end, our words to You are thank You. Thank You, Lord. Thank You. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 7 is our text for today. This passage is important and fun for two reasons. One, it's about a man named Achan, which is fun. But two, it records a certain difficulty, a challenge, a hiccup at the beginning of something great. The Israelites have just begun to possess the land that God has promised to them. They've only just started to take it over, and they've had one smashing success. And that was Jericho. That was Jericho. They're just off the heels of the great victory that was Jericho. And they've got every reason to be rejoicing. At Jericho, all that they did, rag-tag band of former slaves that they were, was go to the most fortified city in history and march around it and then they yelled, and they won. That was it. That's the battle. They marched around it, and then they blew their trumpets, and they yelled, and God absolutely had a victory that day. It was clearly God's and not theirs. This is, since if you need a season-specific uh, uh, season or season thematic illustration, it'd be like putting a pee-wee football league up against a professional team. Alright? Although, at this point, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not certain that the Cowboys could do it. I don't know uh, if it's my, it's my team, but you all I'm not optimistic. I was prepared to make that joke about the Gamecocks, but they did great last night, so God bless them. All the best to them. It, it, it's, it's absurd what happened. It was so one-sided. God won this great victory in Israel. Israel is so excited, and they should be. They have a real God, the real God who is leading them and has promised to deliver the entire land to them, the whole land that was promised. And so they are rejoicing with great rejoicing. God had called them before they went into this battle and said, all of the spoils of war, all the treasure, everything that you find in Jericho, all of it. All of it belongs to Me. God said, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you the whole promised land. I'm going to give you great prosperity and wealth. This is the best land, and you can have it. And you can have everything you needed, and I'm going to provide for you all that you need. But this very first battle, in which God was clearly the victor anyway, and they did very little, God says, all of the spoils of war of this one, all the plunder, it will be devoted to me. It will go into his temple eventually. But not all of it was put in the hands of the Lord. Some of it was taken. And that's where we pick up in our story today. Joshua chapter 7. I'm going to pray for us and let's read about what happens in the very next battle after Jericho. Father God, I thank you that you were so kind to us. Father, I pray that you would teach us about you so that we can worship you better, and so that we can follow you better. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. The Israelites, however, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zebdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, he took some of what was set apart. And the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Aa, which was near beth Aven in the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and scout the land. So the men went up and they scouted Aa. After returning to Joshua, they reported to him, oh, don't send all the people, but just send about 2,000, 3,000 men to attack Aiah. Since the people of Aa are so few, don't wear out all of our people." So about 3,000 men went up there, but they fled before the men of Ea. The men of Ea struck down 36 of them and chased them from the outside of the city gate to the quarries, striking them down on the descent. And as a result, the people lost heart. All the plunder of Jericho was to be given over to God. They were to trust God and not keep it for themselves, that God was going to be the one that provided for them and He was going to do it in His way and in His timing. And yet, one person keeps a part of it. One person going through the battlefield, going through the town that is now occupied by the Israelites, takes some of the wealth and keeps it for himself, disobeying God, a sign that he does not trust the Lord. So, after just a tremendous victory... Joshua sends out scouts. It's just like how scouts were sent out to scout the land in the beginning, to scout the whole land and to scout Jericho. This scout report, completely opposite from that earlier scout report. This scout report, they go, the people in the land are nothing. Those people in Ai, it's like a little village. Don't even worry about them. Don't weary out everybody making a march all the way over there. Just send a couple people. Send 2,000, 3,000 people will do the job. No problem. The scouts weren't bragging this wouldn't have been a problem. And yet, The same God who was against the people of Jericho was now against the Israelites themselves because they had done evil in His eyes. It doesn't matter if they had sent out 10,000 or 20,000 people. All that matters is whether or not God is on your side. This has already been demonstrated by the Jericho battle. And so, because of this one man's sin, 35 other men lose their lives. Let's keep reading. Verse 6. Then Joshua tore his clothes, and he fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening, as did the elders of Israel, and they all put dust on their heads. "'O oh Lord God,' Joshua said, "'why did you ever bring these people across the Jordan to hand them over to the Amorites for our destruction? If only we had been content to remain on the other side of the Jordan. What can I say, Lord, now that the Israelites, now that Israel has turned its back and run from its enemies?' When the Canaanites and all who live in the land hear about this, they will surround us and they will wipe out our name from the earth. Then what will you do about your great name? And the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. Why have you fallen face down? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant that I appointed for them. They have taken some of what was set apart. They have stolen. They have deceived and they've put those things where they're with their own belongings. This is why the Israelites cannot stand up against their enemies. They will turn their backs and they will run from their enemies because they have been set apart for destruction. I will no longer be with you unless you remove from among you what is set apart. Go and consecrate the people. Tell them to consecrate themselves for tomorrow. This is what the Lord says, the God of Israel These are, there are things that are set apart among you, Israel. You will not be able to stand against your enemies until you remove what is set apart. In the morning, present yourself tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord selects is to come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord selects is to come forward family by family. And the family the Lord selects is to come forward man by man. The one who is caught with the things set apart must be burned along with everything that he has because he has violated the Lord's covenant and he has committed an outrage in Israel. It's powerful, the turnaround here. They're supposed to devote all the things to the Lord that they find in Jericho, which is to destroy them. Then they are themselves told, God tells Joshua, since you did not do that, you are the things that will be destroyed. You are the things that will be set apart, but in this way, not set apart for the Lord, but set apart from the Lord. It says, unless you purify the whole congregation of Israel, the sins of this one person will bring them all to destruction. You hear Joshua, what he's worried about? What Joshua's worried about is what happens when all the other nations in the land, hear about all the Canaanites and the other nations though they've beat Jericho, Joshua knows who they are, the Israelites. Joshua knows they're not trained soldiers. They're former slaves. And Joshua says, listen, everybody in the land was afraid of us because we just took Jericho, which none of them could do, but then we just got chased off by tiny little Ea, and now they are all going to come and destroy us. And Joshua says, and what about your name, Lord? Even if we're to be destroyed, what about the name of the Lord? And so, Joshua does what God calls him to do. Verse 16, "...Joshua got up early the next morning. He had Israel come forward tribe by tribe, and the tribe of Judah was selected." he had the clans of Judah come forward, and the Zerahite clan was selected. He had the Zerahite clan come forward by heads of families, and Zabdi was selected. He had Zabdi's family come forward man by man, and Achan, son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, was selected. So Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and make a confession to Him. I urge you, Tell me what you've done. Don't hide anything from me. Achan replied to Joshua, It is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I did. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful cloak from Babylon, five pounds of silver, a bar of gold weighing a pound and a quarter, I coveted them, and I took them, you could see for yourself they're concealed in the ground inside my tent with the silver under the cloak. So, Joshua sent messengers who ran to the tent, and there was the cloak concealed in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from inside the tent, and they brought them to Joshua, to all the Israelites, and they spread them out in the Lord's presence. And Joshua and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the cloak, the bar of gold, his sons, his daughters, his ox, his donkey, his sheep, his tent, all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you brought us trouble? Today the Lord will bring you trouble. So all Israel stoned them to death. And they burned their bodies, and they threw stones at them. And they raised over him a large pile of rocks that remains still today, And the Lord turned from His burning anger, therefore the place is called the Valley of Achor still today. The Valley of Achor, that is the Valley of Troubles, the Valley of Difficulties and Pain is what that valley is. This is a painful and a heavy passage for us, and it ends with clear judgment. What does this passage teach us about how we are to live together, a congregation, We are not Israel, but we are in a covenant, are we not? Our covenant is a covenant in baptism. Our covenant is not a written thing that you signed. Our covenant is a pledge to each other that we have made. Just as marriage is not just a marriage certificate, marriage is the covenant two people make in front of each other in the presence of God and all of their guests. We, likewise, are in a covenant with one another. We who are members together, Talathe, who have walked down and been voted on to join. It seems kind of like a nicety that the congregation votes to approve new members, but it is more than that. It is an important gesture in which we receive them even as they come forward to say, we would be a part of you. And we are joined then before God, likewise, in a covenant. And so, our sins affect each other. They must. How could they not? But first, let's remember this important act that we must all do. Let us give to God what is God's. That's the problem here. Achan sees something beautiful, and can you blame him? He sees this beautiful cloak from Babylon. He sees all this gold. Perhaps you're more tempted by the gold than the cloak, right? But he sees this beautiful cloak He sees all this gold, he sees all this silver, and he says himself, I coveted I wanted it, and I took it, and I kept it for myself because I wanted it. Why did he keep it for himself? I wanted it. Jericho, everything in Jericho was to be given over to God because it was rightly God's, was it not? And just go back a few minutes and remember, who won that victory? Clearly and completely, it was the Lord God who won that victory over Jericho. Everything belonged to Him. But even more than that, if you go further back, who brought these slaves out of slavery in Egypt? It was the Lord, so they belonged to Him as well. You want to go even further back? Who created that land? It was God, and so all of it is His. And this God, it His plan and His purpose as He's declared to them is that He has chosen them out to make them special. He hasn't called them out for evil. He didn't bring them out of slavery to bring them across the Jordan River in order that they should all be destroyed over here, as the complaint is given again and again. He brought them out to give them good things, to be a blessing to them, and through them to be a blessing to all people. God has good plan for them, but they must trust Him and remember always to give over to God what belongs to God. The application is perfect and even and straightforward for all of us. Dear friends, you likewise must give to the Lord what is the Lord's. Do not hold back from the Lord what is the Lord's. Surely it is the first fruit of our wealth, just like theirs. This is the practice of tithes and offerings. We give our tithes first, this is just the beginning, though. This is symbolic. It is something. It's always something. A dollar is always worth a dollar. It is something, but it is our declaration. We believe this was gotten by God. As Trevor was saying to the children about the building, he says, you know, the members of the church built this building. Block by block, they stacked them. And this one, we've, it's been good enough that we can hire some other people who are professionals to, to put this one together for us. But it was always the Lord who built it. It was always the Lord who was at work. All of it belongs to Him after all. So, likewise, when we participate in the tithes and offerings, we say, God, this is yours, all of it. But by the first fruits, I'm saying, I trust you, and I'll live on whatever else that you provide. We must participate in the tithes and offering, give to God what is God's. But just like it goes bigger and bigger for Israel, it goes bigger and bigger for us as well. God does not simply deserve a tenth of our money or our time or our week. After all, not only was the victory the Lord's, but the people were the Lord's, and the land was the Lord's, and all of it was the Lord's, and so how about you in your life? It's not just that the provision was the Lord's, but it's that you are the Lord's, and that everything else is the Lord's. After all, He created you, and then He redeemed you and saved you to give to God what is His means the first fruits, but then it means everything else as well. We offer it to God as worship. And when we do this, we recognize that He is the one who did this thing. It was Him, not us. And we declare before God that we trust Him. No matter what, we trust Him. Good, bad, whatever comes. This isn't a, a prosperity sort of thing, where if you if you give the first fruits, he'll provide everything else you need. No. God does provide for us, but he provides according to his means and according to his time and in his way in the way that he wants to. It doesn't mean we gain control over him simply by obe- obeying him in this point. But it does mean that we trust him come what may. So Achan is punished for his sins, but he is not punished alone. Who else? Who else suffers for the sins of his of this man? Yeah, his whole family. His whole family suffers for his sins. You might think this is harsh. But I tell you whether you think it is harsh or not, if you are leading a family, your family will suffer for your sins too. You may think this is harsh. But perhaps you missed the part where 36 other families are missing their fathers because of the sins of this man who did evil. Friends, we are in this together, and you must recognize that your sins affect those people around you. We are, every single one of us, I'm not coming down on you here. I'll come down on me. This is the way our old hearts are. This is the way our old nature works. We are often, to make, uh, we're often tempted to make uh, hiding sin our goal, right? It goes back to Adam and Eve. <laughs> we are tempted, uh, a lot of times, our temptation is to hide sin. That's the number one goal, is to not be found out. That's why so many people, once they're found out, they're ready to confess. But why did we have to find out and confront you in order for you to confess? Wouldn't you just confess? And yet, we all live in that same model of Adam and Eve. It is somebody finding out and confronting. We make hiding it our goal. But our sins affect those around us. It's simply not, you can't hide it. Even if you have as your goal to try and hide your sins, if you are a Christian, you must know that there is none hidden, that God searches everything So, when you sin, what you must do is not first go like you used to and like your old family, Adam and Eve, try and hide your sin. You must rather go in the very first place to God to confess sin. Why is it that Achan, knowing what has happened, everybody knows what's happened, everybody knows that day that God is going to line up every tribe of Israel, every clan, every group. Why is it that this guy is standing back waiting to confess until it comes his turn? When confession is what is needed, let us be the kind of people who bring our sins forward before we're found out. Let's be the kind of people who live in the light. Friends, I already know you're a sinner because I am. You already know you're. We already know you're a sinner. The baseline: if you're a Christian, then the very first thing that you said was, "I'm not a Christian. I'm a sinner," and I'm going to become a Christian. So it's not a surprise to us that we were tempted to sin and perhaps fell into sin again, let us be the kind of people who aren't waiting around with this treasure trove of sin behind us trying to keep it hidden and okay, I'll confess and make right if somebody finds out. Let us be the kind of people who confess our sins freely looking for the grace of God. If you wear Christ's name, then your actions may disgrace that name of Christ. Let it not be of course, if you wear the name Teletha, then your actions may disgrace the name of Teletha. But if you wear the name of Christ, then your actions may disgrace the name of Christ before other people. Long, long ago, this story is from people who are no longer in attendance here and haven't been for quite some time, so don't worry. Long, long ago, there used to be some Teletha bumper stickers you could put on your car window. And, uh, and I got a call in the church office some random person who called up and said, hey, somebody with a Toledo bumper sticker just cut me off and started swearing at me. Is that what kind of church this is? And I said, what was that license plate number again? <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. They Actually, this, it, was, it, was, it was a while ago, but there were still phones and cameras, and so it was a grainy photo, but there was a photo taken and sent over, and I knew. And this is why we don't have bumper stickers anymore. Maybe, I can confess, maybe my driving is not a good reflection of my witness. Maybe I'm not paying attention well enough. But is it not true that if you wear the name, then it's possible for you to disgrace the name? Forget about Talitha. You wear the name of Christ. Don't bring disgrace to the name of Christ. You have taken the name Christian upon yourself. You need to recognize that your sins affect those around you. There really is no such thing as secret sins and there are no sins that will not be exposed. You don't have to sit around waiting any longer. Perhaps this will be freeing for you today. You who know there's sin in your life, you need to confess. You don't have to wait around any longer to be found out or to be hoped to never be found out. But if we are free to confess our sins, then He is free in His forgiveness of sins. We together... Look forward to forgiving you of yours. Just come and repent. Turn away from them and confess them boldly because your sins are affecting those around you whether you want them to or not. Next, you need to believe that God takes sin seriously. You might be startled at the death of this man and his family because of his sin. You would only be startled if you didn't think sin was a serious business and that God doesn't take sin seriously. It's just the way it is for all of us. Our God is so gracious that all of the judgment that we deserve for our sins, He is patiently holding off on because His desire is not that you would receive that judgment. Christ came and died so that Christ would receive that judgment for you. God wants you to be forgiven of your sins. He doesn't want to pour... Judgment is coming. But our God, praise God... Is patient, not wanting any to be lost but all to be saved. But we, each of us, can start to have an attitude, even if we don't mean to, of, well, I didn't, I didn't get punished, judgment didn't happen, so I guess I can get away with it, right? I was watching a preschool basketball game recently, I really like watching Little League everything. Uh, little League sports are my favorite kind of sports. It's so darn entertaining, is it not? I think perhaps the pinnacle is like Little League uh, coach pitch any kind of coach pitch or t-ball, the baseball one's even better because the kids, while the outfielders will get bored and sit down and put their baseball gloves on their heads, at least everybody else has time and attention span to focus on the next thing that's happening, right? Basketball moves a little fast pace uh, for the attention span of a preschooler, and so sometimes they don't know which side of the court they're going to or what's happening. But in in the preschool game that I was watching, the refs, and they said this, they said, these kids are like four years old, five years old. We're not calling traveling So the ref said, we're not going to call traveling. So you know what the children did, right? Not a one of them even tries to dribble. (laughs) You get the ball, you run around with it like a Heisman, and you just go down there and then try to throw it up. Not a one of them is trying to dribble because nobody's being called on it. And said, you know, if you're, I guess… Meredith doesn't want to hear this because she you know, wants our kids to dribble and learn how to play basketball and the fundamentals, and it's frustrating. And, and she's right. Our kids should actually learn how to play the game. But I'm like, you know, if they're not going to call it, that means it's not wrong. That means you should just grab it and run down there and throw it up in the hoop, uh, dunk every time. Why bother learning something if there's no penalty for it? Now, back to the passage. We can act like that, can't we? If judgment doesn't come immediately, And God is gracious and doesn't hit us with judgment because he wants us to be forgiven just like we want to be. We can start to, even if we know better, even if we're longtime Christians and believe better, we can start to act like, well, I didn't get judged for this. I guess I can keep doing it. Well, I didn't. I mean, I I, I sinned a little. I mean, I didn't get caught. You don't think this consciously, but you know yourself and you do this anyway. You don't have to think about it consciously, it just happens. The old nature is still there and you go, oh, well, you know, I didn't want to be. And then now, after time, slowly, step-by-step step of going, well, isn't that big a deal, I guess nothing happened, you know, we're still having family fun together, nothing, nothing went wrong, I guess I can just keep going, I guess I can just go adding this, that by the time... Things are uncovered, your sin is so grave. Friends, at the first sign of it in your life, flee to the cross and confess before Christ. Expose your sin because it will be exposed, but God takes sin seriously. That you didn't receive judgment immediately doesn't mean that God wasn't serious about sin. God's serious enough about sin that Jesus Christ Himself came down and died on a cross for all of our sins. That's how serious He is about sin. We can't be glib about it. We can't allow that part of our old nature that goes, well, it must not be a big deal. I guess it's not a big deal. We can't allow that to take over our lives. You see this valley, it's called the Valley of Achor. There's no hope. There's no hope for Achan. When he sins, he gets judgment. It is deserved, it is swift, and it is total. But for you and I, we have something better for us than the Valley of Trouble, than the Valley of Achor. The prophet Hosea says a word from the Lord that the Valley of Achor will be called a door of hope. See, the prophet Hosea knew this time when the Valley of you are going to be judged swiftly and completely is now going to be a place you go that becomes a door of hope for you. Before Christ came and died for our sins, the Valley of Acre is the place where your sins are found out and judgment comes on you swiftly and completely. But I tell you now, since Christ has come and died, the reason why we could celebrate Christmas whenever we want to is because the Valley of Acre has been turned into a door of hope for you and I. When we arrive in that place where our sins are found out and laid before us, there's a door of hope. And the hope is this Jesus Christ forgives sinners, of which I am the foremost. For each and every one of us, there is room for forgiveness. But remember these things today. On the last Sunday that we have a worship service in here, on the verge of our first Sunday in here, remember clearly and importantly you must give the Lord what is His first and then everything. Remember that. Your sins do affect those people around you, whether you saw it or not, or could see it or not. Don't wait till you can see it. And God is very serious about sin, and so we must be serious about our sin as well. Let us repent when there is sin in our lives. By way of final application today, I offer that you can come forward if you need to. If you need to spend some time today coming forward and praying to God, you can come and you can kneel here at the steps, perhaps your last opportunity. If you can't kneel, you can come and stand at the rail. You can stand, but come, spend as much time as you'd like. Make what commitments you need to to the Lord. Say what you, no one will bother you. Stay as long as you like and go back and be seated when you're ready, but come forward and speak to the Lord today. If you need someone to pray for you, I will pray for you. I'd be happy to pray for you. What's going on in your life? Just let me say a prayer for you real quick, and you can go back and be seated. We don't have to introduce you or stand you in front of people. Just come here and let me say a prayer for you, and you can go back and be seated. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, make it public today. You don't have to have the right words to say. Just come forward and say, Jesus is Lord, and we will know that you are making the same commitment and confession that we have all made If you need to be baptized, come forward. We'll find a Sunday for you to be baptized on. You're welcome. If you need to become a member of Talathe Baptist Church, you can come forward so the congregation can vote to join you into this covenant with us. For whatever reason, this is our application today. Let us prepare ourselves and you prepare yourself for a new season of worshiping the Lord together. Let us remove all sin from our lives and so all sin from the congregation and the camp so that we can together worship the Lord with holy hands till Christ returns. Pray with me. Father God, I thank You that You are so patient. I thank You. I thank You, Lord. I thank You that You have waited so long and so patiently for us. Give us the strength now to confess, to repent, Give us the strength to not wait until our sins are found out and our names are called, but let us be a people who confess our sins freely to You as soon as they show up in our lives. Let us live a life repentant and following after You. And I pray that You would receive our sacrifices, our offerings, our first fruit, and our repentance as worship before You, our God. This I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand up.